Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. Well, as Mac mentioned earlier, today is the last Sunday of this Supernatural Gift Sermon series that we've been doing. This is a series that we actually started back in March, and at that point we, we kind of did the first half under a different name. We called it Giver and Users because we were talking about how the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts and how he calls upon us and gives us the ability to use those spiritual gifts. And then we took a little break for Easter and we did a different series. And then we dove into this chunk of it that we called supernatural gifts. And we kind of dug into the gifts that sometimes seem a little more mysterious to us. And how do we get to a common understanding? And that's been kind of our goal through this whole series is how do we get to a common understanding and a common realization of what spiritual gifts are, what their purpose is, and why they even exist. And the reason that we've been doing that is that everyone comes into this conversation from a different perspective, from a different point. Some of us have come into this conversation, and you know a lot. This is something you've studied about in Scripture. And other, others of us have come into this conversation, and you go, spiritual gifts, spiritual what? what? What's this even about? What's a gift? What, what is this? And so no matter where you are on this kind of spectrum, if you know a lot about gifts or you know a little bit about gifts, our hope in this series is that we've come to a common understanding. And today we're going we're gonna to wrap up this series by going back to the start and kind of going back to the purpose of spiritual gifts are, and we're going to recap kind of the categories and the listing and the way we've broken them down. And so part of this might feel a bit like a review, like a review but you don't have to worry. There's no test at the end of this. There's no exam. I'm not handing out papers for you to like do a test or anything like that because this is church. We don't do that here. But what we want to do is just make sure that as we bring this series to a close, that we actually remember what this was really all about. And so what are spiritual gifts? And we've been using this definition through the whole series of saying that spiritual gifts are a specific ability that is given to all followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit for the sake of ministering to one another. Now, it's kind of a long definition, but to break it down, what we mean is that if you have put your trust in Jesus, God has something he wants to give to you, and he gives it to us through the Holy Spirit, and it is a specific ability that has a purpose. And that purpose is when we say ministering to one another, it means to build each other up, to encourage, to empower, and so that the church together is able to do and to be what God has called the church to be. And so when we talk about this, spiritual gifts, is sometimes we have a gift and we don't know how to use it yet. Sometimes we have a gift and we haven't unwrapped it, we haven't unlocked it. And so that's what we've been talking about in this whole series, is this whole piece of spiritual gifts. But one of the distinctions we made early on is to remember that spiritual gifts are different from a natural ability or a learned skill, because a natural ability is something you're born with. People who become Olympic sprinters are born with a different muscle composition. They are able to run faster than I could train every day of my life, and I'm never going to beat Usain Bolt. That's just not going to happen. I don't have that natural ability to start with. And it's different than a learned skill because a learned skill is something that we develop over time with our own effort. So maybe it's something like a hobby. It's a, a skill like, you know, I, I like to cook. I cannot bake. You know, I can do pizza dough. That's it. But like baking is a skill. It is a science and an art form. And it's something that is learned over time together. And spiritual gifts are different than that. 
even though you may be deeply passionate about your hobbies, you may deeply be passionate about your natural abilities, there is a different form of passion. There's a different form of empowerment. There's a different form of joy that comes when we start to live in our spiritual gift because it's the way we were made. It's the way that our Father, our Creator, created us and gives us this ability. And when we step into that, there is a different type of fulfillment and an awakening that happens when we dive into our spiritual gifts. So that's kind of why we've been talking about this whole thing is to to understand what spiritual gifts are and why they are so important. And the foundation of all of this series has been uh, in going to the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And the bit of the background of the Corinthian church is they were a church that was filled with deep conflicts and deep troubles. And a lot of their troubles came down to this topic of spiritual gifts because they were trying to use their spiritual gifts, but they didn't know how. And so they were using them in ways that were improper, in ways that caused harm to their gathering. And so when Paul writes his letter to the Corinthian church, he writes two whole chapters about spiritual gifts to help them get to how God created them, how he intended them. And we're going to start by going there today. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 6, Paul is telling this to the church. He says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but the same God who does the work in all of us. And then he says this, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. And this would be like the thesis statement of everything there is about spiritual gifts is this verse to say that a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Every person who has chosen to put their trust in Jesus has a spiritual gift. Whether you've learned what it is and whether you've learned how to use it yet or not, you have it, and we want to help you discover it and unpack it. And the purpose of that gift is always outward focused. Gifts are never meant to puff us up, ourselves up, or make ourselves more important, or just benefit ourselves, because that's how the Corinthian church was using their gifts. They were using them for self-gain. But Paul reminds them, no, the gifts are always for the purpose of helping others. And so in the spiritual gifts, when we talk about this topic, there's multiple places in Scripture that have listings of these gifts. And when you compile all the lists together you actually end up with about 20 gifts. And we've split those up into three categories to kind of make them easier. And I'm not expecting to remember every one of these, but I'm going to run through them really quick. And the three categories we do, we split them up into love gifts, word gifts, and power gifts. And we base this off of the work of a theologian named Robert Clinton. So we're kind of in debt to his work that he was the one who worked all this through together so that we can learn it together and we can dive into it. So the first category of these gifts, the love gifts, these are gifts that empower us to reveal God's love for people. These are gifts that help us show that you matter to God. And the four gifts in this category are the gift of guidance, the gift of helping, gift of mercy, and the gift of giving. And then we move to the word category. These are gifts that reveal who God is, what his desires are, and what his plans are. And there's six gifts in this category, but we actually kind of split them into two subcategories because they group together really well this way. There's the strengthening gifts. These are the gifts that help a local church grow in their faith and grow in their passion for God's mission. So these are gifts that are about empowering and building up the church. And then the second subcategory is the proclamation gifts. These are gifts that focus on revealing who God is through teaching Jesus and sharing the message of Jesus. And so when we look at these gifts, there's six. We say there's under the proclamation side, we have teaching, evangelism, and apostleship. And under the strengthening side, we have encouragement, shepherding, and leadership. And so these are gifts that help empower us 
as a church. And there's something unique about the word and the love categories together, is that if one of these things that I've said isn't your spiritual gift, then it's a spiritual discipline for us to learn. We don't get to say, oh, I'm not a, I don't have the gift of mercy, so I don't have to be compassionate. We don't get to really do that. But what we're saying is that all of these gifts are ways that God wants us to live and how to live in community together. And if something's not your gift, it's just going to take a little more effort. Because when this is your gift, there is an ease that comes with acting in it. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy and it's going to be like not challenging. It just means that when you act in your gift, there is an ease that comes to you because it's the Holy Spirit working through you that is easier than someone who sees this as a discipline. And this is why a lot of people have gifts and don't know it. Because they think, man, it's, it's just that's how you act compassionate. That's, everyone gets that, don't they? And you don't realize that, no, you have that because that is your spiritual gift. That is the way that God has uniquely empowered you to serve and to help others and to help the church. So those are the first two categories, the word and the love gifts. And then we move to the power gifts, and those are the ones that we've spent the the recent chunk of time digging into. And these are the gifts that reveal that God is present with us now, and they display his supernatural power. These are the gifts that kind of show really that God is real, that God is present, that God is active. These are the gifts that when they happen, we kind of often take a little step back and we go, whoa, what just happened there? Because they show God moving in powerful ways. Now, every gift, even the word and the loved ones, have a supernatural source because they come from the Holy Spirit. But the power gifts just have this kind of different form of that that shows up. And so we've talked about those over the, over the last few weeks. We've talked about the gifts of faith and intercession. We've talked about the gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. We've talked about tongues and interpretation. And last week, we dove into healing, miracles, and the discernment of spirits. Now, if there's any gift in there that you're like, what is that one about? I want to encourage you to do something. Head to our website, click the podcast link, and you can catch all of our last messages on this. So if there's one that you missed that you're like, I want to know more about that one, I want to encourage you to take some time, listen to the podcast, because I, want, I don't want anyone to miss out on their gifts. I don't want you to miss out because you might have a gift in one of those categories, one of those gifts that, that maybe you just happen to miss for whatever reason. But what's different about the power gifts is for word in the love category, we said if it's not your gift, it's a discipline to learn. But when it comes to the power gifts, they aren't actually something that you can train yourself into. In fact, the responsibility if you don't have a power gift is to learn how to recognize it when it happens. To learn that when that happens, that gift appears, to be able to point out and say, oh, you have the gift of word of wisdom. That is the Holy Spirit speaking through you in this moment. It's about recognizing them because we can't force ourselves to be in one of these gifts if it's not the gift the Holy Spirit has given us. But we need to learn how to recognize when they happen. And all spiritual gifts together have this overarching focus of how do we empower and equip us so that we can achieve God's mission for the church. The church is not meant to just be something we do on a Sunday. The church is actually an active body. Church isn't the buildings. Church isn't what we do. It's what we do together for the sake that God has called us to. And so I want to take us back for a moment to one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples during his time on earth. Because after, as he went through his ministry and he rose a following and people were following and listening to his teaching and hearing what he had to say, 
Jesus said some really controversial things to the leaders of the day. And in fact, the religious leaders got so upset about the way that Jesus was talking about this new relationship with God, this way of connecting with God that didn't rely on all the old systems. They got so upset that they wanted to have Jesus killed. And they were able to coerce the people, they were able to coerce the Roman governor into having Jesus executed. And all of his followers thought that was the end. We followed this guy, and now it's over. They didn't know what was going to happen next. They didn't clue in, even though Jesus had told them that he would rise from the dead. And then three days after his execution, the grave was empty. Jesus demonstrated that he truly is the Son of God by rising from the grave. And then he started appearing to his followers. He started appearing to his disciples and telling them. One of the times that he did that was on the Mount of Olives. And he met with his disciples. And in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, he says this. He tells his disciples, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the marching orders. You know, we even call this this passage the Great Commission. This is the commissioning of the church. The moment that the church went from an idea that Jesus talked to his disciples about to the church becoming a real thing. And then shortly after that, we have the day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit descends from the heavens on the 120 people that were left remaining putting their faith and trust. And the church is born and becomes what it is today. And the church has a mission. This is the most important thing that we can always remember, that the church is not static. The church has a mission. We have a goal. We have a task that God has given to us. And that task is exactly what Jesus said here. Make disciples of all the nations, baptize them, teach them to obey what God has spoken, and know that God is with us. And so us as a church, we've simplified this and we've kind of narrowed it down. And you'll hear this phrase said time and time again because we always want to keep it at the forefront, that this is why we exist, this is our purpose. And we say that our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And guess what? All spiritual gifts are about this. All spiritual gifts are designed to work together. Every spiritual gift has a way that it interfaces and mixes with other gifts so that together we are the church. The point of the church is not to separate us into groups to say, okay, all you power people, you sit in this section. All you word people, you sit in this section. All you love people, you sit in this section. And then in those sections, you've got to break down into your group. So the prophecy people sit in this corner of this section. That is not at all the way gifts are meant to be used. All the gifts work together so that together as a body of Christ, together as the church, we can actually achieve and move forward in what the mission is that God has given to us. This is the most underlying foundational piece of gifts to recognize that they are for a purpose. It's not just something we get to have that we get to, you know, box up and say, yeah, I have that thing and it just sits on my counter untouched. Gifts are meant to be used because they're meant to work together. And so today, That's kind of the end of our recap chunk. Today I want to talk about what happens when we start using our gifts together. I want to talk about something that can come up as we use our gifts. Because the gifts are very diverse. There's 20 spiritual gifts in all. And sometimes when we are using our gifts, this thing pops up called gift tension. And what gift tension is, 
is when all of us, because of our different spiritual gifts, because of the unique ways that God has created each of us, all of us, because of our gifts, see many different options for how we can move forward in God's mission. You know, for any kind of decision or topic that comes up, depending on what your spiritual gift is, you may have a different response of saying, well, I think this is how we need to approach this. I think this is how we need to reach our mission. And so, you know, an example that would be, you know, people with the gift of prayer will be like, well, we just need to pray more. And that's true. People with the gift of teaching will be like, well, we need to teach about this so we understand it more. And it's, that's true as well. People with the gift of encouragement will be like, you know, we just really need to encourage one another with scriptures about this topic. And that's true too. The problem with gift tension is if we don't understand that all the gifts are meant to work together, we'll start to try to elevate one gift above the others. And we'll say, well, only the people with this gift, they're the ones to make the decision on this. And so we start getting tension that can happen in a church when we're exercising our spiritual gifts the way they're meant to because our spiritual gifts will all give us a different perspective on how to move forward in our mission. And so how do we realize and how do we deal with this tension? Well, the first thing to recognize is that this tension will never go away. In fact, if that tension were to completely go away, that means we're not using our spiritual gifts anymore because the spiritual gifts are built in this complex dynamic balance that is always shifting and moving because it's about being responsive to the Holy Spirit. The way that we do church now is vastly different from the way that the early church acted. You know, we don't gather the way they did. They don't gather the way that we do now. And that's okay because the church has evolved and changed as it's been guided by the Holy Spirit for how do we reach our community? How do we reach our culture of the day? You know, if we had a time machine, not that we do, there's not one hidden in the storage room or something like that. If we had a time machine, and let's say we went back to the first century and we kidnapped a whole bunch of first century Christians and we brought them here. Well, first of all, we wouldn't speak the same language. But let's just imagine we got over the language barrier. We taught them English or we all learned Greek or something like that. And we brought them here. They would just be stunned. They'd be like, well, what is this place? And if it was winter, like, they would be like, what is this? We've never seen snow before. Like, they'd be, you know, even more terrified than when immigrants come here in the middle of winter. And I mean, immigrants who come to Canada in the middle of winter, you guys rock. Like, that's awesome that you're willing to come here in winter. Like, we were born here. What's your excuse? You could have picked somewhere warmer. (laughs) But here's what I'm getting at and, and why I'm saying this is the gifts were meant So that as a church, as we lean into our gifts, as we follow, the church will become exactly what it needs to be for the day so that we can accomplish God's mission here and now. That is why spiritual gifts matter. That's why it wasn't, this is how you do church, A, B, C, D. No, God says, here's the gifts I'm giving you. And you're going to lean into the Holy Spirit, you're going to learn about these gifts, and you're going to use them. And when you use them, and with all the messiness that will come with them, when you lean into them and you use them, that is when the church is effective. That is when the church is able to proclaim the name of Jesus and invite people into the way that God loves us. That's when the church is able to have its most influence because we are, we are meant to have influence in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our careers, in our city. We are meant to have influence so that we are able to tell people about Jesus. But the problem is, if this gift tension gets out of, out of whack, if it gets out of control, and we start thinking that certain gifts are superior to others, we will bankrupt the whole way that God meant to do it. We will tip things upside down. And so the first way of how do we handle gift tension 
is we need to recognize, first and foremost, no single gift is superior to any other gift. No matter what that gift is, it is not superior to any other spiritual gift. The gifts are level. And in fact, this is the big point that Paul was trying to make to the Corinthian church in all of their messiness going on. I said there was two chapters that he talked about gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. And in the middle is this chapter that we associate with weddings, and I don't know when that started, but Paul did not have a wedding in mind when he wrote this. In fact, we say that spiritual gifts was about 12 and 14, really 13 is the core of spiritual gifts. And this is what Paul says. This is how he starts 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. This is what Paul is driving at. If we don't have love, if we don't have love as the foundation for how we use and live in our spiritual gifts, we have nothing. And then he goes on to the part we know, the part that we hear and the part we look at whimsically. But this is the foundation. This is the core. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. And you know how this passage keeps going. But the thing is, we look at that passage and we think, oh, that's how husband and wife are supposed to act. No, it is how husband and wife is supposed to act. Don't get me wrong on that. But when Paul wrote this, he was saying, this is how you live out your gifts. This is how you are a community together when you are patient and kind with one another. Spiritual gifts will lead us to be patient and kind. Spiritual gifts will not allow us to be jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Spiritual gifts do not demand their own way. Spiritual gifts are not irritable and they keep no record of being wronged. I want to camp on that last phrase for a second. No record of being wronged. That means that when we make mistakes and we will, it means we learn from them and we move on. We don't hold it against someone. If someone maybe comes to you with a, and, and they think, oh, you know, I'm trying to use my gift of encouragement and I want to encourage you with this passage of scripture and you're like, man, that was the worst possible passage of scripture you could have brought up at this moment. You're like, you're totally off base. That's a total misfire. Don't hold it against them. Learn from it. Discern with them. Walk through it. Be patient and kind. Don't demand your own way. That is how we encourage people to grow in their gifts. At the core Spiritual gifts are about showing love for one another through the specific abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to each one of us. So, I want to flip the question around. Instead of saying, how do we solve gift tension? Because we're not actually going to solve it. It's a dynamic balance we're supposed to live in. I want to ask a different question. I'm going to say, what makes gift tension worse? What are the things we could do that would make this unbalanced and make it harder for us to be a church, harder for us to be a community? And the first one is lack of understanding. And that's what we've been talking about through this whole series, is saying how do we get to a common understanding of what spiritual gifts are so that we can use them well and use them the way they were made. But a common understanding only helps us if we prioritize our common mission over the individual spiritual gifts. The mission that God has called us together 
to, to be on task with, to focus in, to lean in on, is more important than any one person's spiritual gifts. And in fact, it's a little unbalanced that in the church, we tend to think some gifts are superior to others. And even in just the way we are, like right now, we're in a room, there's lights on me, I'm up at the front teaching, and everyone's listening. And what that does is that puts a power imbalance in people's minds that shouldn't be there. Some gifts lead people to be publicly up front. Some gifts lead people to be working behind the scenes. Some people's gifts lead them to work one-on-one. And all of them are equal. All of them are parting of moving the common mission forward. You know, you see four or five of us, including Mac, up on stage on a Sunday. But there's double that of people working behind the scenes. People in kid zone. People that are here early in the morning to set up. All of our gifts are part of what we do. And so we need to make sure that the common mission is always bigger than using our own gifts. The second thing that will make gift tension worse is a lack of character. And character is the way we are, the way we interact with one another. Character is defined by our actions and how we live our lives. In fact, this is one of the more sobering thoughts when it comes to spiritual gifts, is that there is no promise in Scripture that your gift is yours to keep. You know, in fact, Scripture would point the other way, that the Holy Spirit, just as much as the Holy Spirit can give spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit also has the right and the responsibility to take gifts away. And so when Jesus had his last night with his disciples, he told his disciples this. He gave them this message. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There's that word nothing coming up again. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Real comforting words, Jesus. This is your last evening with the disciples. And they're like, man, if we don't stay connected, like we're going to be withering branches that get burned away. No one wants that. See, the Holy Spirit does have the ability to take our gifts away. If we are not focusing on growing in our character, that means the Holy Spirit will say, you know what, that gift, that gift requires character. And so you might lose that gift if we're not willing to focus on our character and how are we connected to Jesus. And the second reason why character matters so much, as we said this at the very beginning of the series, is that our character is what determines our capacity. You know, the gift of evangelism. There's only ever been one Billy Graham. There's lots of people with a gift of advantage, but there's only one Billy Graham, and there may never be someone like Billy Graham again. He had a unique spiritual gift, a unique anointing for a unique time in our culture to be able to impact the kingdom of God for good. But he always, in his writings, talked about how deeply important his character and his walk with God was. Because he knew that if he bankrupted his character, if he made a choice that damaged his credibility, that damaged his reputation, how many thousands of people would not have the opportunity to hear the gospel? Or how many people have given their lives to Christ because of hearing him speak that would have been like, but that's who you were? I'm out. See, our character matters because it determines our capacity. It determines how far our spiritual gifts will go. And the last thing that makes spiritual gift tension worse is a lack of identity. Our gifts are not our identity. In fact, if someone introduces themselves to you by their spiritual gift, they're like, 
hey, I'm Prophecy Phil, or hey, I'm Miracle Mary. Like, that'd be kind of cool name. But if someone introduces themselves to you and they say, you know, everything's about my gift. This is who I am. You know, there should be a little red flag, a little warning of like, eh, what's going on here? Because our gifts are not meant to replace our identity. Our identity, first and foremost, is that we are children of God. God created us for a purpose. He created us for a mission. But he created us because he loves us dearly. Spiritual gifts are the tools and the ways the Spirit equips us to do what we do because of who God is. And so we have to remember this deep in our minds and deep in our hearts. My identity is not determined by my spiritual gift. My identity is defined by being a child of God. And when Paul was writing his letter to the Galatian church, they were a church that was deeply struggling with this identity issue. And so Paul spends lots of time helping them through this topic of identity. And he brings this to a close in Galatians 3. And he says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. God's promise to Abraham was that someday all the nations on earth would be blessed through him. Now, Abraham was old. He didn't have children. Later on, they only had one child of their own. And he's like, how is this the great nation that's going to bless the whole world? Well, it wasn't. Because the whole purpose from the very beginning, when God gave that promise to Abraham, was that later on that promise would be fulfilled. And we, the church, are the heirs of that promise. We, the church, are given that blessing and that responsibility to shape the nations, to shape the world. And part of how we do that is through our spiritual gifts. So how do we overcome gift tension? We've got to ask ourselves, are we striving for a common understanding? Are we digging into our gifts to learn what they are? Are we growing in a Christ-like character? Are we living our lives with Christ as the example? Are we secure in our identity as God's children? Do we recognize first and foremost, we are God's kids. We are not defined by our spiritual gifts. And so those are the three things that we need to lean into, the three questions we need to ask if we're going to overcome the tension that comes with using spiritual gifts in a community. But some of you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, you know, I've been here through this whole series or I've listened to the podcast, I've caught up, I know all about the gifts now, but what if I still don't know what my gifts are? And I have three questions that I want to ask. And to be honest, these aren't really soft and fuzzy questions. These are soul-searching questions. Because if you're sitting here like, I have no clue what my spiritual gifts are, I want to ask you to ask yourself this. Am I open to all the spiritual gifts? Because some of the gifts we may have difficulty with, especially the gifts in the power category, we may be like, I don't know if God could really work that way. What if God actually wants to give you a gift that right now you're sitting on the fence and saying, I don't know if that's a real gift. I don't know if that's a thing for today. But are you open to receiving the gift that the Holy Spirit has for you? Because we don't get to choose what the gift is. You can pray and ask. God can prove me wrong on this. I'd invite him. It'd be wonderful if he did prove me wrong on that one. Because it'd be great if we could pray and ask for gifts. But the Holy Spirit will give you the gift that he wants you to have. And so we have to ask, are we open to our spiritual gift? And, and kind of almost a sub one of that would be almost like, do you know what your gift is, but you want to run from it? You're like, oh, I know I have the gift of mercy, but like, I don't want to be around people that are suffering. But what if God's equipped you 
to be able to alleviate people's suffering, to be able to walk with them, to show his love and his presence in difficult times. If you're not leaning into your gift, you are denying other people the opportunity to know God's love for them. That's a sobering thought. The second question to ask is, how's my relationship with God? The Holy Spirit isn't going to let us access our gifts if we are distant and far from God. We actually have to lean in. Are we pushing forward to know God deeper in our lives? Because if we're withdrawing, the Holy Spirit's not going to empower us because we actually need to lean in. And guess what? God wants to make it easy to lean in. All it takes is us to make a choice to say, yes, we're going to, and to press in. The third question is this one. Am I already serving somewhere? Often our gifts, we discover them in experience. When we lean into something, when we try something out we haven't tried before, because we actually have to take an attempt to lean into our gifts. How do we learn to serve so that God will give our gifts to us? You might need to take a step of faith. You might need to sign up for something. You might need to find a volunteer opportunity. You might need to find a way for how do I practice caring for others? How do I practice empowering each other's? And I, oh, I actually covered this one already. Have I been asking for my gift in prayer? Not asking for a specific gift, but are we asking God to give us gifts? To say, Holy Spirit, will you show the gift you've given me to me? Will you help me unwrap it? Will you help me unpack it? Will you help me discover it? Because this is what it all comes down to. Our spiritual gifts are a specific ability given to all followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit for the sake of ministering to one another. And I hope through this series that us as a church, we've come to a point where we say, yes, we want that. We want the Spirit to empower us because we want to see people connecting with God because we want to see people coming to faith. We want to see people going deeper in their walk with God. We want to see God move in ways we have not seen him move before. So let me close by praying for us as a church together. God, you are the great giver of gifts. You are the God who makes promises that take thousands of years to come to fruition. But you are always working towards those promises. And so Lord, together as a church, We've been diving into your scripture. We've been diving into your word. We've been seeking to understand this part of you that is the giver of gifts. And so, Lord, I pray that us as a church, that we would be a body of Christ that is open to what you have for us, that we would be open to receiving what you have for us, that you would empower us, that you would fill us, and that your Holy Spirit would descend on us. And so, Lord, I pray right now for the people in this room with the word and the power and the love gifts, would you help us lean into our gifts to discover them more? Would you help us to see how important they are, but that ultimately it is our walk with you that is underneath it all. It is our love for one another that is underneath it all. Lord, would we be able to dive deep into this? And Lord, for people who are sitting here or listening to the podcast online and they're saying, I don't know what my gift is, Lord, would you give the mercy of revealing the gifts? Would you give nudges and tugs and as people read scripture, would you draw their attention to the pieces of your living word that will instruct them about their gift? And Lord, would you give us the faith and the encouragement to step forward into places unknown so that we can truly be the church that you have called for this time and this place to impact this community and our world today. Holy Spirit, we ask these things in your name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
folks, next Sunday, we're doing something special. We're doing an all-together Sunday, and you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome, fun service to be here for. So, folks, I hope you have an amazing week. Happy Father's Day to all the dads, and we'll see you next Sunday. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.